Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, cast on skillets, good and hot, watch it steam and crack and pop, cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. And today we are talking about fun things for kids with an upcoming kids event, a kids music program called Junior Appalachian Musicians, and a singer and songwriter from East Tennessee who teaches in this music program all under the roof of the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee. We visit with singer-songwriter Sarah Perkle, who is a program director and fiddle instructor with Smoky Mountain Jam, Junior Appalachian Music Program, and she's also program director and fiddle instructor for North Knox Jam. I ask her about this program, her music teaching, the person she wrote her song The Piney Rose about, and also about her chicken and dumplings. And we'll also visit with Jen Bowen, who is museum educator at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee. She'll describe the upcoming event called Kids Take Over the Museum at the Center, where kids will be able to experience open hearth cooking, sewing, broom making, Cherokee culture and crafts, the heirloom kitchen garden, making mountain music, pioneer games, and a whole lot more. Thank you so much for your good company today at this big Tennessee table. I really appreciate you tuning in through podcast or radio broadcast. Let's first join singer, songwriter, and educator Sarah Pergel, who has taught music for close to some 30 years now in the East Tennessee area. Will you tell us about the song The Piney Rose and you writing it? Yeah. Um, you want to set that? You don't have to hold it. It's going to be a long story. <laughs> yeah, I'll put it right there. Okay. Um, it was a spring day, kind of like today. It was farther into May, though, because the peonies don't bloom until May around here, a lot of places. Um, Jeff and I had just moved into our little house in uh, Barb Hollow, and his aunt that lives across the street kept saying, oh, you're going to have the prettiest pineys down there, because that little house had been built in the 30s. And I didn't know what pineys, I always thought she was talking about the trees. Yeah. And then when they bloomed, she said, look at those pretty pineys. And I knew what she meant. And my, and my mother said, yes, we call them piney roses. Little old ladies do. 
and um, I was we were having a movie day at Jeff's mom's house on this on a, a beautiful day and I couldn't sit still I couldn't stay indoors I couldn't so I made my excuses and I drove home I just I felt weird I don't know how to describe it I felt like I had to get home and all the way home I, I just kept going this valley is shining jewel right now it's so beautiful and um, so then I got my guitar out and I started envisioning the little lady who might have planted those pineys and um, she's got dark hair with silver streaks in it and it's two plaits that's divided in the back and then put on her head like a crown you know how they do and she's wearing a blue dress and she's got little black horn rim glasses and she's round in the middle like I am now (laughs) I can see her in my mind Anna Carter Um, and I just made up a story about you know what if what if this you know what if you were didn't weren't going to make it to see a spring what if you knew that you were at the end of your days and I don't know it just came out kind of was just born (laughs) that creative process that creative process it's just kind of a magical thing isn't it yeah it is um I'm going to be teaching a songwriting course for Steve Kaufman's camp coming up in June and I'm like how honestly I'm like how am I going to teach this yes (laughs) but it's really about being open creating the space for for it to come through yeah for you to be the conduit for the songwriter to be the conduit Mm -hmm. and I guess there's some skill to it but I I think it's really it's kind of like gardening I mean, you just kind of let some seed, let some things grow and cultivate and yeah. and let it bloom. I've always thought about art making. I'm not all, one of these technique people, and um, I don't do art in order to just learn and master techniques. I want something to go through me. Yeah, to process something. Yes. To, yeah, and that's what I use it for, or, you know. I, I need to get back to where I make time for it because I used to do those morning pages. Do you ever heard of morning pages? Uh-uh. Um, there's a book called The Artist's Way uh, that a friend of mine gave me back in the 90s, I guess. Um, this woman was a screenwriter, and she had this developed this technique for all, all people who are creative about when you get up first thing in the morning, um, when you're having your coffee, sit down with paper and pen and just scribble. She says do three whole pages, but um, I've... I need to get back to doing that because that kind of creates a, a place for the creativity to show up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I get stuff and sometimes I don't, but I haven't done that in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I got out of the habit of it when I was uh, the pandemic and taking care of my parents. And yeah. But I need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. But that's one of my processes. Is, but, you know, you know, it's just the way I deal with the world is distill it into a song that I can soothe myself or... Mm-hmm entertain myself or I don't know <laughs> well it sure helps a lot of the other ones that really enjoy your music like myself I can say it just I, I just love your music making very much it's just got such soul thank you <laughs> you're welcome I'm glad to get to do it um, right before the pandemic I was considering you know finding some other career because I kind of stumbled into this. And you, just like anything, even if it's a wonderful thing to do, you enjoy it, you, people get burnt out on things. And I was just like, what even is this thing that I do? Why do I get paid to do this? Is it of any value? Yeah. And um, I, was, I was burned out. Mm-hmm. But then I realized during the pandemic, you know, I couldn't work at first. 
But then my schedule filled right back up with lessons on Zoom. And um, I realized that I do somehow provide something that people need. They need music. They need that. Yeah, people do need it. Just you need music. You need to practice music the same way that exercise is good for you. Even if you're not a professional athlete, Mm -hmm. music is good for you. Even if you're not a professional musician, it's good for you to hear it, to feel it, to, Mm -hmm. to use it. I agree. Yeah. Here, we're up here at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center, and I'm super excited that you're up here today as a Monday. What do you do up here? I am the program director and the fiddle instructor for Smoky Mountain Jam, Junior Appalachian Musicians. Uh, Jam is a regional program that puts um, instruments in the hands of of kids age uh, like about third grade up to, we say third to eighth grade, but I've got some teenagers, like some 10th graders in, in this, this group. Um, and we teach them how to play music, all-time music and bluegrass music, the cultural um, music from our region. I love that so much. I do too. I bet. <laughs> I mean, it's just wonderful. Do you have kind of students involved that reach out to other students? This is new for our area. Uh-huh. Jam's been around for a while. Uh-huh. Um, it's out of Virginia. But, you know, I've just been teaching private lessons for close to 30 years now. Yeah. Um, and I've always wanted to do a program like this that puts, that gives me the opportunity to work with kids whose parents maybe can't afford private lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was one of those kids. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's new. We had our first semester here at the Heritage Center last fall. This is our second semester. And so we're still building the program, so I can't... I think by next, in the fall when we do our next semester, we will see that kids are reaching out to their friends and bringing them in. We started with 10 kids. This time we have 25. And then I'm also the program director and fiddle instructor for North Knox Jam that's starting up in May, the end of May. So while this is on hiatus for the summer, um, my husband Jeff and I and Drew Fisher are going to be teaching uh, North Knoxville Jam. That's wonderful. Now, how do people find out about JAM and the North Knoxville? Okay, um, go to jamkids.org to start with. That's no matter where where you're at in the southeast region, you can find a JAM affiliate somewhere near you. Tennessee, I feel like it's just now starting to pop for it. But um, jamkids.org. And then you can just reach out to me on my website. It's jeffandsarahmusic.com. Well, and I have to brag on you. You are in the East Tennessee. East Tennessee Writers Hall of Fame. Um, It's an outreach program by the Friends of Literacy. Friends of Literacy does wonderful, wonderful work in the Knoxville area with uh, helping people to read Mm -hmm. um, inspiring uh, reading um, for children and adults who are unable to read. They have lots of different programs. And so as a way to bring awareness to what they do, they recognize writers of all kinds from the East Tennessee area. And um, I was nominated by by other members of the Hall of Fame, my peers now. Yeah. Uh, Karen Reynolds was one, Todd Steed was another one that, that uh, and I love it. And I love, uh, it's, you know, it's a big honor for sure. And I'm milking it for all it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also great to be able to spotlight what Friends of Literacy does. Yeah. And also to spotlight the talented people that we have in the writing fields in our area. I mean, Alan Gratz is on the 
national bestseller list for all the young adult novels that he's written and he's a very important and influential writer and he's from Knoxville and he was inducted last year and he's a friend of mine you know there but also Dolly Parton's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame um, of course uh, James Agee um, there's a lot, I mean just so many there's just so many well it's well deserved and I was so excited when I saw that you were nominated and got that because you sure do deserve it. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. i got to get my husband in there now. I think he I deserves it. He does. <laughs> He's a great songwriter, yeah. great singer, picker. Both of you, I love your music. I'm biased, but... but <laughs> I need that encouragement to keep going you? sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I really love playing for an audience uh-huh. and knowing that they're enjoying it. Yeah. seeing that, that uh, we're moving the crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I don't get much chance to do that, I'm like, what is it that I do? I, yes. I get that way again. I don't yeah. feel that way with teaching because I can see it mm-hmm. immediately. But I feel that way too if I'm just in my house doing stuff. I'm not sure how to gauge it. Right. If you can't get that feedback. Right. Oh, just so many things. And that, that album you did, Walking Tall Through High Weeds, down the plate for everything we have to go through every day. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah I just try to, I'm named after my great great grandmother. She was a tough chick. She was, I think she was short from what I understand. I never met her. Um, and she had snow white hair that came down to her waist. Mm-hmm. She piled in a bun on top of her head. She was one of the first women to get a divorce in Knox County. She was granted what was called a bed and, bed and board divorce because her husband would stay gone for you know, years at a time sometimes and then just come in and take all her money that she'd earned selling eggs and butter and leave her and the kids with nothing so she was granted a bed and board divorce so she could uh, own her property and and her her earnings and take care of her children she wore floor-length dresses and all the way to cover to her wrist and high collars and never wore any big patterns but my grandmother told me that she had one vanity this was her grandmother we're talking about here she had one vanity and it was that long white hair and she would wash it in rainwater and dry it in the sun she said she was a sight to see sitting in the grass in the sunshine with that hair now i have white hair and um, so I've always wanted to honor that lady. I'm sorry, that was a long way about, you know, talking about walking tall through high weeds. But I think about all the things that she went through. So and I start to think that, oh, woe is me. Well, what would Granny Fisher say? <laughs> it is, yes, all the granny ladies that came before us. Yeah. Yes. Now, can I ask you about your chicken and dumplings? Do you mind? Sure. I don't think my chicken and dumplings are any any more special than anybody else's except for that I love chicken and dumplings of, from all cultures. I love matzo ball soup. <laughs> you yes. know, I, and um, that's like if I'm having a bad time, I will go buy a whole chicken and put it in the oven, roast it. That's like uh, one of my friends said it's an antidepressant for your kitchen. <laughs> but um, I've got two different ways that I make them. One is a traditional way where you you, pour, you make the broth and make the stock and um, you boil the chicken, the whole chicken that way, and then um, make the dumplings. And uh, I like them a cross between the noodle kind mm-hmm. and the, the the kind of the drop the drop kind. So mm-hmm. I usually roll them out, not too thin, and just cut them with a pizza cutter and drop them in. Because uh-huh. I like them a little bit chewy. I kind of like Cracker Barrel dumplings. Honestly, that's what I like. I do too. But my mother made. Um, this is something she got from a Bisquick cookbook, I think, in the 70s. It's chicken and herb dumpling casserole, and that's what she would make for special occasions. And it's more like a chicken pot pie in mm-hmm. the stock. She would still make it from scratch. So she'd still boil a chicken mm-hmm. because she's, that's where I learned to do it. Did you? Yeah, she, she had a, 
She had six children. She and my dad did. And uh, she could take one chicken and make all kinds of meals out of it for all of us. Mm-hmm. And this was, this was like the Sunday dinner. She'd start with this. And so it has, you know, like a cream of mushroom soup base, and it's mm-hmm. got vegetables in it. And then it's a Bisquick biscuit dough that she would put in poppy seeds and poultry seasoning, and then she'd top it with breadcrumbs and bake it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to make that for the family when they come over. On We have a family band now. The, we're the Perkles. Awesome. Or I really want it to be called Perkle Haze. <laughs> Um, and we have worked up the Jimi Hendrix song Purple Haze for that reason but they're they're coming to my house on Sunday to rehearse and uh, so I'm thinking about making the chicken and herb dumpling casserole oh wouldn't that be just perfect yeah you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table and today we are talking about fun things for kids We've just visited with singer-songwriter Sarah Perkle, who has taught music for nearly 30 years in East Tennessee, and her good work with the Junior Appalachian Musicians Program. I've placed links to Sarah and her equally talented husband, Jeff Barbara, and the Junior Appalachian Musicians Program on my website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. And next, we visit with Jen Bowen, museum educator at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center in Townsend, Tennessee, and she'll describe the upcoming event, Saturday, May 6th, called Kids Take Over the Museum. We're talking today about Kids Take Over the Museum. This is an event up here at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center. Can you describe your work that you do here at the Heritage Center? So my title is the museum educator. Um, So the basis of my job is to plan and facilitate the field trip programs from the schools that come through, um, make sure that the living history people are available and ready to present all of their knowledge. I make sure that the docents that take our kids around the museum, um, you know, know their stuff. They're always eager to make sure the kids have a good time while they're here and help with the learning as well. I go through um, our list of of docents and find people who are interested in becoming living history interpreters and get them excited about the program and then schedule them to come um, when we have kids for the field trips. Yeah. This event that's coming up, Kids Take Over the Museum, can you describe this event and the overall goal behind it? So the goal of Kids Take Over the Museum is to get kids involved with the history. So we wanted to have a day that was just for kids that was involved with the hands-on and giving them more of a tangible knowledge. So we've got stations that are going to be set up around property that have open hearth cooking and sewing and basket weaving and things like that. And they're not only going to get to watch those demonstrators do their craft, but they're also going to get to participate. They're going to get to put their hands on it and actually make some of the things um, which they would have done as kids back in the, you know, in the 1800s. So they're going to get a taste for the time period a little bit more in depth than they do when they just visit the museum on a regular day. I remember as a child going on a field trip to the University of Tennessee dairy farm, and I will never forget it. It was so much fun, and I will never forget things I learned, and I must have been in second grade. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing with this event I think is so important. I think the kids really get more of a sense of what they're learning when they're able to experience it in more of a way than just our curator likes to say stuff on a shelf. He calls it stuff on a shelf. So we do have stuff on a shelf. We're a museum, but we're we're striving to be way more than that and give the kids more of an experience that they'll take with them for a long time. When I taught at an elementary school here in Maryville, we came here every year. So every year for six years, this was my favorite field trip. 
that we went on because it was always just packed with fun and the kids just light up when they get to see things that a lot of them have never even heard of, let alone, you know, seen with their own eyes. So this event takes that to another level and lets them kind of be part of the action. What sort of stations will be set up that the kids will get their hands into? They're going to get to um, talk with the Tuckaleechee Garden Club down at the Heirloom Kitchen Garden. They're going to get to, you know, get dirty and see what all was um, involved with gardening back on the homestead. Because if you didn't grow it, you didn't get to eat it. Right. Right? So they're going to get to do that. They're going to get to talk to beekeepers. They're going to get to see some farm animals. They're going to get to do some open hearth cooking, basket weaving, old-fashioned candle dipping, a potter that's coming. They're going to get to play with pottery. They're going to get to play some games. We've got lots of games that are going to be set up around the Towns of Kiwanis Club is going to help us out with. It's going to be lots of fun, lots of crafts, lots of interaction. How much fun. Now, musically speaking, can you describe the musical part of this involvement with the Junior Appalachian Musicians? So we're really excited about the Junior Appalachian Musicians. Our program has kind of blossomed into way more than I really knew when I came here. I didn't really have an involvement with JAM. They go out into the schools and they've allowed the kids to do hands-on like demonstrations and things like that. So when they join the JAM program, Sarah takes them through and they learn through different instruments. So at the kids take over the music event they're going to get to basically have a recital they're going to get to showcase what they've learned over the course of the year but also the kids passing through that are not members of jam are going to get to not only hear and see what they're doing but also get to play those instruments too and get kind of little mini lessons we also have Wyatt Ellis coming to do a performance and he'll be here at noon to do a performance for us which is just really awesome addition to our day what a talented young musical prodigy yes in this area yes so i mean he's you know self-taught basically and just has skyrocketed to all kinds of really cool positions for a i think he is he 14 for a 14 year old to be in something like that yeah (laughs) yeah for people that are not familiar with junior appalachian musicians or jam can you describe what that is so jam is a program where the kids can come to the heritage center and they can learn string instruments they play the mandolin the violin I want to say the guitar, and then they will, you know, they'll get to learn the basics of those instruments, they'll get to learn a little bit about the history of those instruments, and then get to play them and learn those skills, which is so important. And now tell me Sarah Perkle's part in that. So Sarah runs the JAM program. She, you know, facilitates all of the lesson planning and all of those kinds of things, and then walks through the actual teaching of the instruments as well. Boy, you talk about a um, regional treasure, that Sarah Perkle. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Today, we're talking about fun things for kids. We've just visited with Jen Bowen, museum educator at the Great Smoky Mountains Heritage Center, located in Townsend, Tennessee. I've placed a link to the upcoming event, Saturday, May 6, called Kids Take Over the Museum, on my website, tennesseefarmtable.com. This is Dustin Busby of DSB Provisions, and you are listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. And now it is time for the gospel portion of our radio broadcast. We like to call this our daily bread. And here is that song that Sarah Perkle wrote called The Piney Rose on the Tennessee Farm Table.
Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.